0: Hello there. Hi. I'm Paige. I'm Megan. And this is Mindful Body and Soul. Hello. Hello. Who be you?
1: Okay, I was, I'm, I think I'm going to try to describe or introduce myself in the most radical way possible. So I'm gonna um, lay down and set aside any self-censorship and just tell you my radical version of myself. So I am Megan. I am a gardener. I am a community builder. And by that, I mean I'm a person who enjoys creating safe spaces for people to connect and spend time and laugh together. I'm an, a nature lover. I'm somebody who enjoys spending time outside with my hands in the dirt um, or my feet on the earth. Um, I also enjoy hiking but I also enjoy kayaking, uh, walking, just sitting quietly outside. I'm a student of my breath. Spend a lot of time in relationship and study with my breath and movement. But lately I've been more, have been more focused on the movement of my breath and the movement of my body, but certainly the movement of my body is a part of my practice. Um, I think I'm a, a partner and I'm a partner in my romantic relationship, but I'm also in a partner in my familial relationships, my friendships, my business relationships. Um, I'm somebody who really enjoys collaboration and I am a force of love and quiet listening.
0: Thank you very much, Alice. Thanks.
1: <laughs> that was hard for me to do because every with everyone that I wanted to say, the like, habit is like, don't say that, dull it a little, say it more humbly. But recently I was in conversation uh, with, with Eddie's family. Eddie's my wonderful romantic partner. And we were all sitting around. We had all quarantined so we could see each other in August. And it was really beautiful because we hadn't seen one another in a long time. But I was with Eddie's family in August. And I think his brother asked the question of the whole family, like, what's your favorite thing about your partner? And then everyone went around and said what their favorite thing about their partner was. And Eddie said of me that I'm incredibly humble and that I'm very much like a support for other people and kind of make myself... um, into a person who's, who's there for others, who's, you know, who's the support. Um, but I thought that was such an interesting favorite thing about me (laughs) because I know I'm humble, but a lot of that is not, it's not like a, (laughs) a trait that I love about myself. I think it's something that I'm kind of, uh, utilizing as a tool of like self deflection to not, or to mask my anxiety or mask my fears. Um, so I'll I'll be humble or I'll be a support for others because I'm a little afraid to use my voice. And I, like you, am shocked, absolutely shocked that we've done 10 episodes of this podcast, not in any way because I thought that you couldn't do it. I knew you could do it. I didn't think that I would feel comfortable or safe enough to speak with this many people or in front of this many people because I am somebody who normally my habit is to quiet my voice. So anyway, that's the reason why I just de- describe myself that way. I'm trying to not be so humble. I wanna just <laughs> declare my strengths.
0: I found it very magical.
1: Paige, uh, tell me about
0: yourself. Hmm. Well. If I'm gonna describe anything about myself, it's that I'm trying to be an active student of detachment, not in that I don't want to experience things, I don't want to feel things, but that I uh I'm 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 rekindling a, a relationship with my beliefs about attachment, uh in in more of the spiritual sense, I guess. And so to, to apply any kind of title or term or label, or it, it felt somewhat uncomfortable, Mm. not completely uncomfortable, I think, because I'm really not there. Um, I, I have all kinds of deep rooted attachments that, that I'm acknowledging and attending to. And Mm. I didn't have what felt like the right things to say because all of those things I'm working of letting go. Yeah. I'm, I'm actively working to not see myself in any kind of light that way or put myself in any kind of, uh, myself, any kind of title. I'm trying to kind of do the opposite of that, except for being a mom. That's an attachment that, that, one, that one's stuck. Sorry. <laughs> I kind of like this idea of introducing
1: ourselves and then reintroducing ourselves because the introduction feels momentary. You know, it's, it's whatever is important to me in this second is what I'm going to tell you about myself and it could change (laughs) or something else that is also true about myself might show up more strongly in the next moment, but it's kind of fun to think about like being able to identify yourself and then re-identify yourself.
0: What do you think your definition of wellness is now? Yeah,
1: it's changed. At the beginning of this podcast, I think I would have said my definition of wellness is feelings of calm or feelings of peace or groundedness, you know, whatever. I would have like described it as like a a way of feeling. And I absolutely don't feel that way anymore after nine weeks or nine episodes of talking to people with all of their various tools and strategies and practices toward working toward wellness. I'm realizing a lot more acutely that I think that wellness is a preparedness for when things go wrong with, with absolute certainty that things will go wrong. And so I'm feeling really strongly that like wellness is not a state of being, but rather a set of tools.
0: Mm. I like that thought that it's a set of tools. We should explore what's in our toolboxes then. Yeah. Now the things that we didn't have before.
1: How about you? How has your definition changed or is it the same? It's
0: both. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I said in so many words. I'd have you know, you'd think that making the whole episode, I would remember what I said, but I don't. For but in coming in, my whole thing was that it's this ongoing practice, and was knowing who you are, or or most more so being honest with yourself about who you are, and being honest with others about who you are. And I think, to a degree, that that's true. But there are just a lot of layers that have been added to that since. That that's hard to pinpoint. And I think that's the whole reason why we're doing this. I I'm I'm really rejecting the idea that you can be well alone. <laughs> I think time alone is it, as an activity, as a need, is extremely important. But that the important and functionality of existing outside of a vacuum is what makes an experience what it is and who you are is is very much built around how you exist in in the context of other other human beings. And I'm finding that not from what, what we've learned from the people we talk to, but simply the act of talking to them. It's not something that I did super often. I really like to engage in in the intense conversations out of the blue in social settings, but there's such a deep need now for me to do this with you and with other people, and I—I I don't think I've quite figured out what that means. Why, like, I—I I haven't examined that pull deeply enough. Maybe it's so obvious. Maybe people are listening, like, dum-dums, talking, to, like, this is the root of everything, fools maybe that's happening too. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think there's a couple of things at work when we're having these conversations and like, for me, it fulfills, I always think about, I'm like, so into this thing that we talked about back, like however many episodes ago with Nicole about like tending the wheel. And I'm always now thinking about like in this moment, what of my, you know, 12 or 15, you know, central needs am I serving? And like, these conversations that we've had for this podcast, I think serve a couple of different needs. Like one absolutely is just like the connection, like being able to like connect with another human and listen to them and ask questions and hear about their experience and then share mine. Like, I think that's part of this, but it's also serving this other super deep need, which is in me, which is self-reflection. And If anybody's like listened to every episode, and even if you were to like listen to every episode back to back, you'd hear me like a thousand times saying, like, oh my God, you just blew my mind. I never thought of it that way. Because I just like it it does absolutely break me wide open when I hear something from someone else's experience that I had never thought of before. And maybe that sounds like super self-involved or super like egotistical. It's not because I would like didn't think I was anything out there I'd never thought of before. I'm super aware that there's all kinds of stuff I've never thought of. But whenever I meet something that I've never encountered, it completely uh, breaks down again, re-breaks down the structure I've built around myself of like, these are truths. And I think that's really like, for me, that is an essential part of me being alive and seeking wellness or like, you know, working toward, you know, using my tools toward balance or whatever it is that I'm seeking. I need to break down what I've defined as as truth on a very regular basis. So for me, like these conversations are like, they're meeting my need to see a person. And especially during the pandemic, they're meeting my need to see a person in like a very important way. But they're also like really meeting this need for me to like be wrong and be proven wrong so that I can break down yet again, the little ice house that I've built around myself and be like, no, 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 it's all wrong. Start again. Cause I need to be doing that. Or else I'll get stuck.
0: To your point of hearing another person's experience and having that be something meaningful. I, I think storytelling is the root of all connection and the root of building empathy and understanding and whether that's space within yourself for storytelling of, of who you are and kind of acknowledging your own narrative that you're telling yourself. And if it's true or if it's not, or if that's creating space for another person and their storytelling to, to allow it to teach you something. I don't know. I like that idea as well, that wellness, wellness is unlearning and wellness is storytelling. And I'm just going to have like 80 definitions of wellness. (laughs) But by, the end of my life. Well, it almost seems like it's,
1: again, it's like back to that like idea of like things being momentary, like wellness is whatever you need in that moment. <laughs> and it might be a tool you have, but it also might be a tool you don't have. Like in a moment you may like need something and it's not one of your tools. And actually it's an unlearning. And it's like, oh, I don't have the tool because I've like built myself a barrier that said that there's not a tool in that direction. Or that direction is not a way to go. One thing that I've really benefited from from this podcast is like a total letting go of a feeling that I needed a routine. I used to really firmly cling to like, I won't be well until I establish a regular morning routine. <laughs> and it was so strict and it was like, it had to have meditation and it had to have movement and it had to have reading. I had to learn something new every morning and I had to go spend, spend time outside. And I had to like, and it was like, and I have to sweat and exercise, and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, I had really like for years and years and years, just trying to get myself into a routine because I thought if I got a routine, I would be well, <laughs> like, This has totally alleviated me of that need. And I am absolutely in this way different place of being like, I have like 75 amazing and varied tools that I may reach for on any given day or in any given moment. And if they look different than yesterday, it doesn't mean I'm less well than yesterday. It means I needed something different. I'm doing something different. And like, I just, I feel so relieved not to need to do the same thing every day.
0: That's wonderful what practices, whether we've talked about them or not already, I mean, what's been new for you that has stuck or that you are doing not necessarily a routine, but has there been anything either from our, our wellness practices that we talk about or that people have advised that have stuck with you?
1: Yeah. I, th- I feel like I took something away from like every single conversation we had, you know, like, I mean, back from the beginning, like jesslyn thinking about like being the drop in the ocean or the ocean and the drop. Like I think about that every day about how I'm in like connection with oneness. Uh, that has been a huge comfort for me, especially in times of feeling really separated. That's been an incredible practice. I already shared with you, or maybe I shared it. I can't remember stepping outside my door and taking a deep breath that one I've always done. And it sticks with me all the time. But you know, you offered with the in Melissa's episode like walking meditation. That works for me on many days. Um, yesterday on election day, I um couldn't work because I was feeling distracted. And instead of pushing through or using one of the other ways that I force myself to, you know, or guilt myself into certain things, I just said, you know what, like this is gonna be a different kind of day. And I like went on a long hike. And I was really intentional about not bringing like my headphones and I, Jerry and I did like a two and a half hour (laughs) hike, um, which is amazing. And what I needed in the moment. So like walking meditation has been really important. I definitely have, like we talked about with Maddie, um, being more like clear on my decisions and not doubting myself and just making decisions, knowing that like my intention is right, especially around sustainability, but also in other aspects of my life, just like you know, knowing that I'm making the right decision because the intention is right.
0: That's been huge. What about you? It seems like cheating because it was my own that I put out, but doing intention meditation every morning in the shower, I was kind of already doing it when I, when I put that out as a wellness practice, it just, which is why it came to mind kind of as we started everything. Cause that was our very first episode with Katie that we even talked about it, but it just makes such a huge difference in my, and it uh, doesn't always last until the end of the day. Some days it does. Uh, And then other times the, the day takes over. And I, I try to be accepting of that rather than feeling like it, like I've failed in some way, but just saying, you know, this day had, had more power than my plan and that's fine. I'm still being thoughtful about, uh, uh, about what my efforts are going to be. And still starting my day that way. And it's just been very nice and trying to, in a broader sense, just recognize the things that work for me and the things that don't, and be, being clear about those and being comfortable stating my needs. And I think especially in, in like a partnership sense, I've been doing that more and feeling really good about that. But from the people that we've gotten to talk to, I think, I think about all nine of those discussions probably daily um, in various ways. But our discussion with Serana was so phenomenal. And I think of her really often when I'm with Eloise. And, and again, that was kind of a practice I was already starting, but just the reinforcement of, of how powerful presence can be and how kids can really feel. I mean, she can feel especially now that she—I mean, she's only seven months old, but my physical manifestation of anxiety and stress or the change in the tone of my voice so that like she feels all of it. I watch her feel it. I watch her body language change and to realize the connection that's there and really sit and her presence forces me to acknowledge my own output. Uh, and I've loved that even though sometimes it's like, oh boy, I am stressed out. I thought I was fine. I told everyone I was fine. And I'm like snipping at everyone. I'm like, why do you keep saying something's wrong with me? I'm fine. (laughs) Then I hold her and I'm like, oh, clearly I'm not. Because as soon as I'm which is what I should be doing with everyone. I should consider my, how my output is affecting everyone. But it's so much more prominent when it's when it's your kid that it's like I could really mess you up. So you're really hyper focused on it, and uh, the attention that that's brought to my own output has has been awesome. And food, food actually, I I was kind of too tight on before. And I've really tried to open up and just let myself indulge when I want to indulge in moderation. And, uh, you know, kind of our whole discussion with Laura of like, just pay attention. What makes you feel good? What makes you feel bad? (laughs) And listen to your body. And that's helped me a lot because it was very much about what it was for a while and not what it was doing. So now it's like, yeah, there are certain junk foods that make me feel like crap I shouldn't do that again that didn't go well but the quote unquote you know when I have tater tots for dinner sometimes I'm not sweating that anymore because it doesn't make me feel bad it's not the end of the world and it's uh, I, I don't know I feel like my relationship with food has actually mellowed a lot because of this and given me a lot of uh, permission slips in that way of just like just who cares That's good, that's huge. One of my big questions that I wanted to like bring up as we go is kind of, okay, what's next? Mm. What are the the things that we felt like we haven't examined yet, but I mean, what's next? I have an initial thought that comes to mind but it answers the question which I'd like to ask to you
1: which is, in what ways don't you feel well? Mm. Because that's That's, where we need to go, right?
0: That's harder than my question. (laughs) In what ways do I not feel well? Boundaries. Mm, mm-hmm. Boundary setting.
1: With like personal life or like work life or
0: both? Depends on the day. Mm-hmm. So I guess both is the short answer. Yeah. But I think some days I have far too many and some days I have far too few. Uh, and, and getting concrete tools i think professional boundaries is important more for, for what i'm feeling unwell in is probably professional boundaries because when you see i think it's a common thing to see everyone around you grind 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 mm-hmm. they're answering emails at 8 p.m. so i should be answering emails right. at 8 p.m. They told me I don't work on weekends, but I've got people calling me on the weekend. Do I answer or do I ignore it? What does that make me look like? I navigate. I've never had a job where it, it could potentially not shut off after mm-hmm. you're not physically there. I mean, like hospital nursing. It's like okay, I'm here with patients. I leave. I couldn't possibly work if I wanted to, <laughs> and now I could work all the time, uh, and I don't know how to. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and what feels like boundary setting also feels like I'm doing the wrong thing. Mm. So uh, there's I, something
1: there. Yeah. I had a client ask me that question today. Yeah. I was onboarding a new client and she said, I was talking about boundary setting and work and I was saying, you know, being super clear on the way that you want to work and the way that you best work is really important before you. And this is a client that's building a business. And I said, you know, when you're building a business, you can really easily accidentally build the thing you were doing before that you didn't want to do, <laughs> you know, uh, if you just do what your habit says. And so, if your habit is to answer emails at 8 p.m. or answer, email, you know, pick up phone calls on the weekends because that's what your previous work um, had you doing, then even if you're the CEO of your own business and you're starting from scratch, you're building your own thing. You're gonna build something you hate because your habit is to work a certain way. So I start with all my new clients from a place of um, really identifying how you work and the ways, the what you want your day to look like, basically, and get super, super clear on that. And then every single time you're faced with a decision, you have to go back to like, does this fit in with the day or no? Is this the opposite of the day? But anyway, she was asking me. She was like, I understand that, but how do you handle a client when they write you an email after 5pm or on the weekends. And it's urgent. Like I want to do a good job for them. So I want to show up urgently when they have an urgent question, but also I want to have these boundaries. And my answer to her was, and it's kind of like my thought when you were just saying that is like, (laughs) having boundaries only works if you communicate them. You know, you can't just have boundaries in your own head and then be like, look at my boundaries. (laughs) and then Nobody else knows what they are because then people are constantly going to be bumping up against them and questioning them. And so like the only way to have boundaries is to teach other people what your boundaries are. And the only way to teach other people what your boundaries are is to like say no to stuff. (laughs) I don't know for your job specifically, like what the answer is, but like for anyone who's thinking through, like how do I stop working? Your, um, you mentioned the exact thing which is like well other people are doing it so does that make me look like a bad employee and the answer is like no (laughs) it's back to what we said before nobody's paying that close attention to you (laughs) everyone's just living their life they don't care what you're doing but like it is um, a matter of setting that boundary like if you never respond to an email after 5 p.m people are going to stop sending them to you if you start responding they're never going to stop you know (laughs) then they assume that you answer emails
0: Well, and we have staff that works nights and weekends. So there are constant emails because uh, our patient care is 24 seven. And I have, I have to tackle like, okay, just because they're coming in, right. doesn't mean anyone's expecting me to see them. They have to send this email. They're on shift. I'm not, but I'm like, oh, that email. (laughs) Right.
1: Well, and are the nights and weekends, people responding to your emails at 9am? Like probably not.
0: Correct. No, they are not. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. So it does. It, okay. it, you know, It's a bunch of different things. And obviously it's not as simple as I'm making it sound, but like it is the case that number one, people aren't watching you that closely. So like trying to be the hardest worker, isn't going to win you anything. You don't win an award or anything, you know, like, cause nobody's watching you. Number two, that like, if you teach other people what your boundary is, then they can respect, it gives them the, it's not going to say they will respect it, but at least gives them the opportunity to respect it. They don't know what the boundary is unless you tell them what it is.
0: Right. But yeah. My other big feeling of unwellness is this very, very deep rooted habit that I know is not unique, especially for women, which is not wanting to start something if it's not certain that you're going to finish and or Uh, do it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten a little bit better at it, but I just get very stuck in the like, okay, well, it's not going to be exactly this. So I'm not even going to start yet. I'm a finisher. I get everything done. It takes me so long to get started though. And it's a habit that I see. I see it when I'm doing it. Like, oh, I could have you know, done 30 minutes here and there of the last four nights and I'd be done. But instead I'm like, well, I don't have six hours, so I can't start. <laughs> like that yeah. kind of thing. And and then being afraid to do anything uh less than well. And it happens a lot with exercise. Yeah. And saying that there there's exercise I like to do and exercise I don't and okay, I've got a daughter and it's winter and I can't just go out and be on trails all the time. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to get enough cardiovascular exercise that I need on a regular basis by just being like, well, that's the only way I like to do it and I can't do it, so I'm not going to (laughs) work. Like, I need to find whatever it is that'll flip the switch for me to be like, I'm not crazy about the elliptical, but I have one in the basement. I'll just do that for 20 minutes. (laughs) It's uh, the... I'm not cool with less than ideal and I, I gotta get over that. And um, I'm hoping that we can interview someone that will tell me how.
1: Yeah. I have a completely different problem, but I think the basis of it is similar. It's also a discipline issue, but I'm not a, I have no problem starting. I'll start anything, but I won't finish it (laughs) because I just get too excited and I'll start a bunch of things. I'll get really into it. I'll focus on it for like a whole day or a whole week. And then like the rest of my life shows up and I'm like, "Oh right, you. And then I like go back to doing my life, you know? So like that, that's one of my issues too, is like I, sim- it's a similar discipline issue but it's like the opposite in the way it presents. Um, Cause yeah, I'm a starter. I'll do anything
0: today, you know? <laughs> like, sounds like we just need to keep talking to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true though. Like just talking through stuff and being able to articulate what you're experiencing is helpful for me. Every single time I say something out loud, I realize how untrue what I'm saying is. And then I'm like, Oh, you were telling yourself a lie. You just hadn't said it out loud yet. (laughs) Oh, you're a liar. Oh, you're a liar. I get it. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I'm so much in this study right now of like, what's the truth and what's not the truth. And when am I not telling myself the truth? And it's always the answer is (laughs) always. And everybody's got that there's stories that you repeat. But when I say them out loud, and I interrogate them, which I've been doing a lot lately, it's so funny how like wildly untruthful I am with myself on like a daily basis.
0: (laughs) I think that's so common. And now it's like, okay, well, I figured out that I'm lying. But uh, How do I start telling the truth? And what is that? Oh. Yeah. Have I shared about sentences yet
1: on here? The sentences? No. Oh, I'm doing this with my therapist and it's amazing. So she has me write a sentence, and the structure of the sentence is even though fill in the blank, I am fill-in-the-blank. So it's like, even though the bad situation exists, so it's acknowledging reality which is all which is hard so it's even though whatever and then a true statement about myself and if you can't think of a true statement about yourself in the context of the bad thing then you can just say um I love and accept myself or if that's not true then you can say I'm working on loving and accepting myself but like the sentence will be something like um even though I can't I haven't been able to create the result I want at work or whatever, even though my relationship's not the way I want, or even though, you know, whatever it is, even though the bad thing I'm, you know, I, I am smart or I am working my hardest, or I am aware of the problem, you know, or whatever. Like you kind of, it's, it's this beautiful way of like working down. And I don't mean to like give, my therapist is an actual therapist. I'm not. I'm just sharing a technique that she helps me with. Um, But like, she'll edit my sentences. And she'll be like, I noticed that in the first half of this sentence, you didn't actually state a real problem. You avoided a problem and talked around it. And I'm like, yeah, all right. (laughs) Like, we're you know, we just revise the sentences until I can come up with something true. But it's really hard to work on it, like write out something that you're experiencing and then be like, first of all, can I accurately acknowledge the, the hard thing and not talk around it or avoid it? But can I actually actively accept that the bad thing is happening? And then can I point out a good thing or a thing I'm working on? That's also true. And it's hard, man. That's really like, it's a good technique. It really works for me because I'm kind of like a like a, person who like I like seeing it written out and I also like working with the language and rewriting the sentence it's really interesting and every time I sit down to do them she's like can you write me a sentence about that
0: and i write like 30. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe the answer to the what's next is just like Go to, go to real therapy, everybody. <laughs> that is the intro, right? Like stop listening to this podcast right now. and <laughs> Go to real therapy. <laughs> go to real therapy, which um, I really am, uh, now that we have our new insurance trying to find, I think especially now, and maybe this is putting way too much on my body and not enough on my brain of just like acknowledge that you need help. But I have felt such a shift in the last few weeks as my like, Hormonal shift has happened now that I'm not breastfeeding, which is really common, which is typically like uh, postpartum depression can show up months and months after you give birth. And for a lot of people, it's when you stop breastfeeding because breastfeeding is like keeping your oxytocin up here and then you stop and your body's like, what is happening? Like I haven't felt my normal, but like chemical levels pre-pregnancy in like 16 months. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's happening to me a little bit yeah so I'm actually very like excited by that prospect I just need to find it yeah out. maybe yeah. real quick for the next couple of days.
1: the insurance thing can be a real barrier though like I am um, back in February when I right before the pandemic I got shingles I think I've talked about that before. And it was like clear that I was like overworking myself. And that's how like I put my, my immune system in, the, in a position where it was so compromised that I got shingles at 30, <laughs> which you're not supposed to get. And um, the, my, my doctor was like, you need uh, to see a therapist. And I have great insurance and many great psychiatrists are covered. And I emailed like all of them. And none of them were taking new patients. None of them even responded. Like, I just didn't get a single response. And it took me another like three or four months to actually get a therapist because of that. Like, and I, I've shared before, you know, like if you get a bad one, like don't let that be the end because often you, you know, you'll get one that's like not compatible. But also finding one and finding one that takes your insurance can be a long process and it can be hard and it doesn't always work out the first time. And I think that's a really risky situation. Like I wish that wasn't the case because I think a lot of people end up not following through with it because it is just hard to find one. So I would say what I I mean, I've said before, I'm using BetterHelp, the little app, and I'm happy with it. But obviously if you're looking for somebody who's like a medical doctor, you're not gonna that's you know, you don't want to use the app. But I would say maybe use the app while you're looking for somebody because You know, the app, at least you sign up and it gives you an appointment like within the next couple of days.
0: Well, I would put the wellness question back to you. How are you feeling unwell?
1: You know, I'm not really feeling unwell. Um, I'm feeling mostly really good. Definitely like this podcast is helping. I'm using a lot of the techniques that we talk about. Definitely seeing a therapist is helping. But I will say the two areas that I'm not like peak wellness that I'm like, okay, I think those are areas that require my attention. One is still, and I, this is a long time thing is holding myself back from doing the thing that I want to do because, um, and it's not one thing. It'll be like anything. Like I won't respond to like letters right away in the mail. Cause I'm just like, that seems hard. I'm going to think about it. So I like prioritize and, and this is actually, it's funny, I just said I had the opposite problem, but I am now, as I'm saying it out loud, realizing it's a similar thing to what you're saying, which is like, I'll think through things really hard before I do them to make sure that when I do it, I do it right. But that may take three weeks. And so like, I just, there are some things that I don't do, even though I know I'm going to, and it would have been better if I did it three weeks ago, but I want to just think about it for three weeks. So there's something in there that has to do with, you know, just starting, but there's also something there that has to do with like, just the confidence to say, like, you already know the answer. Like, you don't need to ask people. You don't need to think about it really hard. You don't need to wait until you have a dream about it. You know, it's like my body craves the worrying period (laughs) before the solution. So there's that. And then um, the other thing is a fun one, which is personally, I'm like a fun, silly weirdo and I'm like that with like my family and close friends and I've been this podcast has been a huge step for me in like putting my voice out in the world and getting more comfortable with like putting my voice out in the world and this has been a great step for me but I am still in a place where like when surrounded by people I don't know which like doesn't happen very often anymore but like even on zoom or whatever when with other people that I don't know It takes me a long time to become comfortable enough to be myself. And that's something that I think I would like to work on. I'd like to be sillier in my daily life.
0: That's great. What a good wellness goal. What felt like the top moments, unexpected things or things that just like are really stuck with you. Funny or special or. or Yeah. There's not one of those that I don't have like a big takeaway from each of them
1: were a really impactful conversations. And by no means do I want to like minimize them down to like one thing that people said, but like, especially because I don't want Katie to think this is the only thing I take away from this. But like, when I think of that conversation with Katie, I think of like, just permission, like just do the thing that you know you need and don't stop like worrying about what it means. Um, and the example she had given was carry out food. But like, I think about that. Not just when I'm like eating. I think about it all the time. Just like I already know what I need. Stop questioning it. Just do
0: the thing. Yeah, I I have that with a couple different um, a couple different moments, but uh, with Maddie, mm-hmm. I have had such a like permanent shift in sustainability and just my sustainable choices of this like don't second guess it, just do it. You're doing all the things that you can. And as they arise, you think of the most sustainable way you can do it. And then you cut yourself some slack on the other stuff and just do it. So every time I like get my recycled tinfoil from Grove, like, oh, way to go me, not buying real tinfoil, <laughs> like my good toilet paper, or I want a couch, I got a couch. Like I have had such a like very permanent feeling shift from that discussion with her. Um, and that's been so nice. And I hear all of their voices telling me little different things of like, when Laura talked about how some self-care practices aren't fun when she's like, I hated, I hate this adult coloring thing. Like I don't want to do that when I'm doing something that I think is like, oh, this is supposed to be nice and I don't like it. I'm like, I don't have to like this. I don't have to, I'm going to try something else. So it just... I, when I'm approaching things and starting to have those thoughts for myself, it's like now I have this little choir of people and it's always their voices again, kind of like you said, giving me those permission slips now. Mm -hmm. And I even said that to you and I was like, episode's going to be late. I tended a different wheel last night. I just, I was just doing something different and it's, it's given me so much comfort because mm-hmm. I feel like I have, I, and and I think also it's uh, intentional or not, we've chosen to interview a lot of really strong women, um, and it's been wonderful to me to have all of these female voices kind of just with me all the time, in every situation. I'm like, what would Kara do? What would Guy do? What would Tarana do? Yeah, no,
1: I think that's that's really it's really true for me too. Like it is that people show up in my memory in the moment. And I'm like, Oh, we talked about this. Like I am equipped. And that that's actually been one of the biggest shifts for me since starting this is like when something happens, you know, as things do like every single day, you know, <laughs> things that you're not equipped for, or you don't feel prepared for. And every single time something different arises, my reaction is different. I'm not like, Oh, I've never considered this possibility before. And I'm wholly unprepared for this. Instead, like, I'll be like, I don't like that what are my tools, you know, like, or like, what did that, what did we say about this? You know, like, I'm kind of always thinking back to like a conversation, like I'm able to recognize things more. So it'll be like, something comes up that I, you know, that's an old habit of mine or something that I don't like. And I'll be like, I remember talking about this recently. (laughs) And you know, whether or not it's easy, it's not easy always to use the tool, but at least having the context to be like, well, I remember this we've discussed this. What were the tools? Oh, here's three. Pick one.
0: Well, it's been, it's been a great, on okay, I'm like 10 episodes. Wowza. Well, if it ends tomorrow, it was all real good. <laughs> all right. I'm, I gotta go. I gotta leave now. Okay. Love- uh, talk to you soon. All right. All right. That helped. Good night. Love you. Love you.